Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts, Kathy and Karen. Today, we will discuss episode 42 of the story of Minglan or Zhifo, Zhifo, Ying Shi Lui Fei Hong Shou. The podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain Chinese phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. If you have any questions, please reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter at Chasing Dramas, or else email us at Karen and Kathy at ChasingDramas.com. We are more than halfway through our current drama and are looking to you to vote for what drama we should discuss next. Please head over to ChasingDramas.com to vote. We will start off with the episode recap, then do a character analysis, and then a historical analysis, and then close off with some book differences. Now that Minglan is married, she needs to ponder every word that she speaks because she now represents both the Sheng family and the Gu family. We'll see that very much on display in this episode. Let's start with the recap. At the end of the last episode, Minglan returns home to the Sheng Manor with her husband in tow to complete the San Zhi Hui Men, which is returning to your maternal home on the third day of marriage. This is a customary Chinese tradition. Joining Minglan and Gu Tingye are her two sisters, Muolan and Rulan, with their respective husbands. With the new stage set in the last episode for the new cast of characters that Minglan has to manage from the Gu family, it is now time to meet her obstacle on the Sheng side of the family. The couples head to meet Wang Danyangzi or Madame Wang in the household, and sitting next to her is Madame Wang's sister, Aunt Kang or Kang Yimu. This woman isn't to be trifled with. But to start, Madame Wang reveals that one of Liang Han, or Muolan's husband's concubines, just gave birth to a baby girl. Muolan's face instantly turns sour and her husband tries to cheer her up. Honestly, Liang Han isn't that bad of a guy. I don't know what Muolan is so hissy about. Kang Yimu, or Aunt Kang, though, immediately begins to sow discord between her sister, so Madame Wang, and Minglan. Kang Yimu coldly tells her sister that Minglan is nothing but a shu chu daughter. Even though she married into a marquis household, she will be reminded of her place. If Wang Danyangzi won't teach her a lesson, okay, she will. Uh, who are you again? You're not even blood related to Minglan, so who do you think you are to be able to teach Minglan a lesson? Right, Wang Danyangzi doesn't even say anything and you're like, ugh, giving a sour face. To me, Aunt Kang is someone who has way too much time on her hands and only finds comfort in wreaking havoc in other people's lives. Even though we are meeting her or Aunt Kang on screen for the first time in this episode, she has been mentioned a few times in the drama previously. When Rulan was looking to get married or was being discussed by her parents to get married, it was this Aunt Kang who had one of her relatives in mind for Rulan. Both of these ladies know, so both of these ladies, meaning Rulan and Minglan, both know Aunt Kang should be kept at arm's length, and we will see more of why that is. 
What I find absolutely fascinating is the color choice of clothes for the two ladies in this form that are the most despicable, Mulan and Aunt Kong. Both of them are wearing pink. Aunt Kong is in an even deeper shade of pink. What did we talk about before? Pink is generally reserved for concubines. Both of these women are proper wives of their husbands. So why are they wearing pink? Look at all of the other wives: Ming Lan, Ru Lan, and Madame Wang. Their outfit choices are blue and green, much more in line with what their status dictates. Though, of course, later on in the episode, Ming Lan is wearing a beautiful pale pink dress while managing her new household. Though I attribute that more to her wanting to be comfortable in her own home than much else. So wearing pink again is an odd choice to be out,、um, even back to the Sheng family, because of course there are male guests now. So Mulan and Aunt Kong aren't wearing colors that are very、uh, befitting of their stations. They're all main wives, and、uh, they sure don't act or dress like it. At lunch, as is custom, the men and women separate for the meal. Ming Lan pays her respects to Madame Wang, and、um, Madame Wang is quite happy with the praise from Ming Lan. Aunt Kong, though, butts in to kindly remind Ming Lan that since she's married the best out of the whole family, she shouldn't forget her roots and help out her brother-in-laws and family. Ming Lan plays dumb and responds. I have a tally of who's been kind to me over the years, and I will definitely repay everyone back. See, Mingland doesn't promise anything, and the underlying message is, you've never been kind to me, so why would I help you? Madame Wang, for all of her faults and naivete, has helped Mingland in the past. Madame Wang also clearly doesn't think there's anything wrong right now with what Mingland says.、Uh, some of the stuff just goes straight over her head. Aunt Kong, though, is most likely stewing at Milan's non-response to her. In the scene, Rulan also sticks up for Milan, which again is a show of sisterly love. And Mulan just is over there, a being sulky and jealous of what Milan has right now, and also just looking to,、um, how should I say,、uh, to see Aunt Kong kind of belittle Milan, and she's like, "All right, I'm gonna enjoy this." Fortunately, Minglan is quickly rescued by her grandmother, who summons her away. As was their coordinated plan. Grandmother and granddaughter finally sit down for a peaceful and joyous meal. Grandma Shang is so glad to see her granddaughter, even though they were only separated for like two days. Grandma Shang is heartened to hear that Gu Tingye treats Minglan very well. Oh, Grandma Shang is just the best. But pay attention to these three crucial questions from Grandma Shang that she poses to Minglan. One, how is the chief steward or butler of the family? Two, how are the house and grounds? Shouldn't it be renovated? And three, how many fixed assets are under the manor's name? It's been three days and Minglan hasn't even begun to think about these matters. Grandma Sheng immediately goes into grandma mode and starts to give Minglan advice on how to maintain her marriage with Gu Tingye. And to all the ladies listening, no matter what, this is great advice on how to be a successful woman even in marriage. So, what does Grandma Sheng say? She says, 
for women to be able to live comfortably, one, you need to make sure you have money. And two, you need to make sure you have a trusted aid. Currently, Mingline more or less has both. All of the questions that Grandma Sheng posed earlier were to see if Mingline understood the challenges that she was going to need to face or at least grasp in her new household. Grandma Sheng doesn't necessarily expect Mingline to know everything just yet, but Mingline should get uh, going on making sure she understands who's who and what's what in the family. Grandma Sheng continues, you must communicate with Gu Tingye. He appreciates honesty and you shouldn't hide anything from him. Dang, Grandma, you've barely spoken to him and you've already figured Gu Tingye out. As Minglan heads out, she bumps into her father and immediately gets reprimanded. On the carriage home, Minglan is in a sulky mood. Gu Tingye, of course, notices and hops onto the carriage to find out what's wrong. Minglan tells him that her father reprimanded her for showing off her wealth, and it is her fault for not being discreet. Gu Tingye literally rolls his eyes. <laughs> Minglan still is sulky uh, about this and says stuff like, inequality breeds resentment, I'd rather be discreet. Gu Tingye, though, tells her not to worry about it. The word he uses is dui. I actually did a double take. Okay, here's me nerding out. He says dui, third tone. So we're going to do a little Mandarin lesson. He says dui, third tone, and uses it to tell Minglan to retort back to who he thinks, um, or whoever thinks that uh, Minglan is not being discreet. Dui in the dictionary is actually fourth tone and means hatred. So how it should have been said is dui. Dui, third tone, do you hear the difference? Third tone means to retort. But that word did not become widely used until very recently, like 2015 recent. The word dui is now very commonly used, but before 2015, you would rarely see this word. And um, how Kutinya is using it now in this context, dui, retort, is the more modern uh, word a uh, more modern meaning. If you wanted to use the word as back then, it probably would have been dui. So this part, I think, is a little bug on the drama. Okay, enough about linguistics. <laughs> back to Minglan. Minglan tells Gu Tingye that it is best to be discreet and gives one really good reason. If they seem like a very close couple, the whole wide world will start to ask Minglan for favors. What would she do if that happens? Say no? That would put Minglan in the awkward position of either being non-filial or aloof. There are definitely relations that Minglan does not want to help. For example, Aunt Kong and Aunt Kong today already basically said, hey, you should help the family out. So Minglan definitely doesn't want to do that and doesn't want to um, drag down in the in the meantime as well. So this is a very good reason why they should not seem very close. This is the unfortunate circumstance of Minglan's family. Her father was not pleased to see his daughter return, but rather how it would impact his reputation in the eyes of other people seeing his daughter with such a flashy entourage. Instead of being proud of Minglan 
marrying so well, he reprimands her instead on things that he pro- or she probably couldn't control. On one hand, I get where Minglan's father is coming from, but on the other, there are so many different ways to express the sentiment than the way Sheng Hong does. The couple does have a heartfelt discussion on how best to behave in front of others in the future, and Minglan continues to express her gratitude at everything Gu Tingye has done for her so far. Gu Tingye, however, is still not 100% pleased with the response to his question. Did she not care if he got a concubine? Hmm. I do also love the random shots of Gu Tingye's entire entourage because it's absolutely ridiculous. There's like a million people walking behind them. No wonder why people in the Sheng family, <coughs> Aunt Kang and Mo Lan, are jealous. Yeah, it's uh, like Gu Tingye's like, don't worry about it. And then you see like a lot of people walking behind them. Well, the second half of the episode sees Minglan and Gu Tingye moving out of the Gu Manor into their own property called Chengyuan, or the Cheng Gardens. It is a property gifted to Gu Tingye by the emperor, and the property is essentially next to Gu Manor. They just have two separate entrances. On, in between is like a large forest. Minglan is busy overseeing the movers while Madame Qin, or the evil stepmother-in-law, is there providing her own opinions on how the new dynamics are playing out. I love a couple of the YouTube comments that say that in the Sheng family, no one can tell that Minglan is acting or truly think that she is not smart. But once at the Gu family, they're operating on a totally different playing field. Madame Qin can immediately tell that Minglan is not someone she can easily manipulate and sees that Minglan acts dumb to her advantage. This is definitely a leveling up for Minglan, not just in terms of her status, but her enemies. And she has uh, a lot of challenges to uh, not fall into their traps. That night, as with every moving experience, Minglan is exhausted. Gu Tingye comes to check in on her as she's too tired to say or do much else. I think these scenes are really cute as the acting is very natural. She may be smart and capable, but she's also human. After a long day of managing movers, of course she'll be tired. She bolts up from bed though when Gu Tingye warns her that she'll have to pay attention to the new staff her in-laws just provided to her. Minglan is surprised. How come no one told her about these new servants? The answer is that if someone told her, she'd provide an easy excuse to not allow them into her household. Now, she has no excuse. What's the issue with servants from the Gu family? The implication is that they were sent by the various members of the Gu family to A, act as spies, and B, cause drama in the household. Both Gu Tingye and Minglan recognize the harm these servants can pose on their family, and so Minglan's next battleground is to rid the family of these servants. It's easy to just get rid of servants, but the challenge is how to remove them in a manner that is excusable. Otherwise, gossip will travel and say that Minglan is vindictive and ungrateful, and you know full well where these uh, rumors are going to start from. It's not going to be because she's actually vindictive or ungrateful, but it's because someone in the Ghoul family is going to spread those rumors. And so a new battle has started, one that is highly entertaining. 
Ming Lan is not going to be bullied around anymore. And I am honestly so here for it. One of the reasons why I love the second part of this drama is because she's no longer someone who has to be pushed around or bullied. She's like, you know what? I have trained for this my entire life. My grandmother taught me how to do all of this. And I'm going to teach you all a lesson. After a lazy morning, Minglan greets a whole courtyard of new servants. To watch how Minglan manages this process of assigning roles for her new staff is the fifth aunt-in-law and her daughter-in-law. The fifth aunt-in-law we saw in episode 41, she's relatively intelligent and may be an inconvenience to Minglan. In any case, the fifth aunt explains that Madame Tin, or Minglan's proper stepmother-in-law, sent over two nannies. She and the fourth aunt-in-law each sent over one nanny or mama, which means like mom in modern day English, but at that point is more like head servant, lead servant, lead nanny type role. The rest of the maids in the hall were also sent by Madame Tin. Right on cue to start causing trouble, a random nanny steps up and announces that she was gifted by the big madam to help Minglan. Without prompting from Minglan, this woman explains that she's considered the manager of the group of people and can be counted on to keep this group in line. The underlying message is, of course, that she will have more power than Minglan in managing these people. But Minglan does not take the bait. She is fully prepared to systematically process this group of people in an orderly fashion and in a method that is befitting of her status. Minglan's maids step in to speak for her and know to take notes for her so she actually does little, Minglan that is. She is not going to allow the likes of random nannies to step all over her. Her plan is to have each individual step forth and provide their background, which will then be documented. Each person will also have to fingerprint to certify that what is written is accurate. Starting off is a young, attractive woman in the back. She steps forth and announces that her name is Ming Yue. Ming Lan's maid, Dan Ju, immediately says that this is not acceptable. Please have her parents change her name as it is too close to Ming Lan's name. This is a rather interesting custom. When discussing the last drama, Empresses in the Palace, we explained how the emperor's brothers had to change their names once the emperor ascended the throne as it was taboo to have the same name as the emperor. And that taboo popped up in a myriad of different ways. That made sense to me because after all, it was the emperor. This was the first instance in any drama where it was told that having the name too similar to the madam of the household was also not acceptable. I never knew this. I don't know how true this is, but it was interesting to see it being shown. No, it's 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 been shown in other shows, yeah. Really? Oh. Or at least for books that I've read, yeah. Okay. Ming Lan, instead of saying, oh, you have to ask your parents, say, you know what? We're just going to change your name to Chun Yue and leaves it at that. Dan Ju continues to ask more questions to Chun Yue while Minglan calmly drinks tea. I think it's a very interesting dynamic because it means that Minglan has taught her maid so well, they know exactly what she wants. 
without her having to say anything herself. In response to Danju, this Chun Yue constantly highlights her connections to Madame Qin, which Danju cuts off. Danju asks whether or not Chun Yue knows how to read and write. Specifically, Danju asks Chun Yue if she has read Qian Jia Shi or Bai Jia Xin. We'll explain both of these texts later on in our podcast episode. At every question, it seems like Chun Yue is put in her place. The key line that Chun Yue says is that she used to serve at the pleasure of Sanggu or Gu Tingwei, which is Gu Tingye's younger brother or son of the evil stepmother. The idea is that she was put in place to uh, maybe be someone who is serving not only their day-to-day, but also evening matters. Milan and her company, though, are not interested in hearing Chunyue's background and connection to Madame Qin, but rather what her capabilities are. The nanny who interrupted Minglan earlier in the conversation interrupts Minglan a second time. This Lai Mama, or Lai Nanny, who is the mother of Chun Yue, thinks Minglan is wasting time questioning each servant and makes it known. Minglan is unfazed and actually calmly reprimands Nanny Lai for interrupting her twice. Though her words are calm, Minglan tells Nanny Lai to know her place. Minglan makes it public that those who listen to her in the household will be treated well. Those who cause trouble will not be given mercy. They should only manage the tasks in their purview. If not in their jurisdiction, they should keep their mouths shut, as her husband hates anyone who gossips and causes trouble. Such direct commands immediately cause the group to understand that she means business and retreats in their, uh, I guess, snobbish attitude. At this, the fifth aunt and her daughter-in-law hurriedly leave the premises. Just as Madame Qin made this realization, the fifth aunt now realizes how capable Minglan is. Moving forward, the fifth aunt knows how to behave around Minglan. This in turn, is actually a huge win for Milan, as I'm sure word will travel fast to leave her alone to avoid any unnecessary challenges. The rest of the episode closes with Milan wrapping up her questioning of the new staff. Chun Yue, though, is seen trying to enter Gu Tingye's office, which is strictly forbidden. Dan Ju finds her and tells her off, but the implication here is clear. Chun Yue is trying to seduce Gu Tingye. There's no other reason why she would try to be there. The next couple of episodes will revolve around Minglan dealing with this new obstacle that is the servants gifted from the in-laws. But it does seem like, so far, Minglan has a clear handle on everything that's going on. All of these skills, of course, were taught to her by the wonderful Grandma Shang. Otherwise... Very few Shunyu daughters would be able to manage a household with such poise.
right, time for some character analysis and history. So just continuing off the conversation of what uh, Karen said about Grandma Sheng, when Milan returned home and the two of them were having lunch, Grandma Sheng asked three crucial questions. I'll repeat them again here. A, how is the chief uh, steward or butler of the family? How are the house and grounds? How many fixed assets are under the manor's name? Well, why are these crucial? Milan is now the madam of the household and she will be running the household, especially since her and her husband will not be living in the Marquis Manor for the time being. She's been married for three days and hasn't met any of the servants and doesn't know what's really happening in the family. From Grandma Shung's perspective, that is not a good start, especially since Milan does not come from a really prestigious household. What would the Gul family think? What would the servants think if the new bride has been doing nothing but sleep in? Well, we know that that has not been entirely true. Milan has already had to deal with a concubine, but it is true that she's been putting off her actual duties and enjoying marital bliss. Honestly, nothing wrong with that, but uh, the questioning from her grandmother was a very good reminder from Milan that she needs to get a firm grip of her household. As we saw later in the episode, the servants are already a difficult bunch, especially with meddling from the in-laws. Once again, Grandma Shung quickly grasped, hey, this is what you should be doing, and Milan was able to turn that advice around and really put on a show. So let's talk about Milan and her behavior as she meets the servants. Her biggest calling card, whether that's good or bad, is that no one in the Gu family, the staff at least, really knows much about her. The servants look down on her because she's only a shunu from a lowly household. They didn't dare think that she had the guts to make a statement, but Milan surprised all of them with her display in front of both the servants and the fifth aunt. So as we discussed earlier, she didn't do much of the interrogation and had her personal maids do the questioning. As the madam of the house, it is not befitting for her to talk to the servants. The maids are enough. And add to the fact that all of her maids knew how to read and write and didn't need any direction from Minglan, that's a big display of power from Minglan right off the bat. Again, maids rarely know how to read or write and the maids were all in sync with their master. So this again uh, was a little uh, intimidating to the rest of the staff. Notice how most of the servants shut up except for Nanny Lai. Minglan then basically tells Nanny lied to shut up with some strict questioning. Of course, Milan still has a lot to do, but she really put a stake in the ground that day, both in front of the servants and in front of the rest of the family, aka the fifth aunt. This again is a testament to Milan and uh, I guess her ability to remove that facade that she is weak and her grandmother's tutelage. All right, let's talk about the two texts that were referenced during the servant questioning. Minglan's maid, Danju, asked Chunyue how much did she know to read and asked Chunyue whether or not she's read Shi or Xin. Shi, which translates to poems of a thousand writers, 
is a text compiled by Song Dynasty scholar Liu Kechuang and then amended by a few other people in the Southern Song Dynasty and also later on in the Qing Dynasty. The modern version of the text or compilation has about 200 or so poems, while the original compilation by Liu Kechuang had more than 1,200. This compilation has poems that are easier to read, understand, and more importantly, memorize. And it was an introductory book or text for children to learn Chinese that was quite popular during the Ming and Qing dynasties. The mentioning of this compilation, though, is an anachronism as Li Kezhuang was born after the setting of this drama. The next text, Bai Jia Xing, or 100 Family Surnames, is the other one that uh, Dan Ju mentions. Compiled during the Northern Song Dynasty, so around the time period we're in now, this is another text used to help people, children particularly, learn Chinese characters. As the name suggests, it is a text of the major Han Chinese surnames. The original text had about 411 surnames, while it was later amended to be about 504. I personally think it's quite interesting as there is a cadence to how the names are listed, and memorizing these last names meant you would, by the end of it, be able to read hundreds of Chinese characters, and it provided a good foundation for reading Chinese. I personally have read the text or this Bai Jiaxing before, and it's just like, oh, I didn't know that these were last names, or oh, these are some of the you know very popular last names. I didn't expect this last name to be so far so far down in the text. So, uh, because this text was written in the Northern Song Dynasty right around this time, the first name that pops up and what everybody still now memorizes is Zhao. So the first four last names are Zhao, Qian, Sun, Li. The reason why Zhao is, of course, the first one is because that is the last name of the royal family. So being written during that time, you always want to make sure you pay respect to the imperial family. So Zhao will be the first name of that Bai Jiaxing. I did not know that. That's so interesting. All right, now we want to turn our attention to Kang Yimu, or Aunt Kang, since we have a little bit of time. She is the older sister of Madame Wang. We already caught glimpses of her character, and we'll only see more of her in the future. But let's discuss the actress. Aunt Kang is portrayed by Zhang Yanyan, who 20 years ago starred in a hit martial arts drama called Wu Lin Wai Shi. Her other notable appearances in recent years, though, was in Nirvana and Fire. There, she portrayed Princess Li Yang, sister to the emperor and aunt to the main character. She was fantastic in that role as the princess had to make incredibly difficult choices for the sake of her loved ones and family. It's a complete 180 from the character of Aunt Kong in this drama, which speaks to her range as an actress. She's no longer in top billings in the shows she's in, but she makes an impression in the various roles she has, and it looks like she maintains a healthy pipeline of work. We're in for a treat seeing her portray the despicable Aunt Kong. And lastly, let's move over to book differences. In the book, Grandma Sheng isn't quite as happy with Gu Tingye as it seems in the drama. That is because it's been quite evident in the book that uh, um, the couple has been busy with other matters in bed. We definitely don't see that in the drama. 
The drama also condenses several visits into one, especially the scene with the servants. Minglan interrogates the servants solo in the morning, and then in the afternoon, the fifth aunt comes barging in to try to speak up for her servants and basically is roundly rejected by Minglan. In the drama, they condense that into the scene that we see uh, for this episode. And I think it's actually easier um, to understand that way. All right. And that is it for our discussion today. If you haven't already, check out our website with the latest drama reviews uh, we've done or follow along with the dramas we're currently watching. If you're looking for sites to watch dramas and you are in the U.S., head over to Jubao TV. That is J-U-B-A-O TV. It's a free service that has a selection of Chinese dramas and movies to watch. You can stream it uh, through the website Jumo, X-U-M-O, or else access it on TV if you have Xfinity or Cox Contour. The music you heard is a zither piece called Line with sheet music by Bing Jiu, Wo Niujun, and played by me. Thank you all so much for listening. We will catch you in the next episode.